Ronananian. And you may not even see it with a smoke machine, not to, not, not to blow smoke, no pun intended. The Car Doctor. You like this, Bowen? Yes. In, yes. in 20 years, you could take this gig from me. You know that. Mm-hmm. You could be the next Car Doctor. Yes. Welcome to the radio home of Ronananian, The Car Doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. But I am here to take your calls at 855-560-9900. And now, here's Ronnie. Little Bowen last week was so darn cute. You know, I don't know if I told you guys the backstory of that, but we were at the Coastal Virginia Auto Show and um, uh, you know, his grandfather and Bowen, um, the little four-year-old, were sitting out in front watching us during the uh, time we were up there on stage. And um, you could see Bowen was really into cars, right? He's clutching his matchbox, and he's pointing at all the cars, and he knew cars. But, and he wouldn't stop talking. And I'm saying, this kid's going to make a great radio interview. So I, I motioned to the grandfather. I said, hey, can we get Bowen up here? One of, the, one of my producers down there, they, they went over, they got him, they talked to the grandfather. So they bring him up on stage. This kid wouldn't stop talking until the mic went on. And and then he wouldn't and and I'm and you know, kid, it's a national radio show. You know, you want to grab him, kid, it's a national radio show. This is your moment, right? And it was really funny. He wouldn't talk to me, but he would talk to grandpa. All right, because I guess that stranger danger thing kicked in. I'm not really sure what it was, but um, even though Grandpa and Grandma was right behind them, and Grandma is kind of like patting them on the head, like, speak, say something, right? You could see the anxiety in poor Grandma's eyes. And um, towards the end, he warmed up. And if you get a chance, you go back to last Saturday's show and catch the second hour, the last 15 minutes, the clip where Bowen is in it. When Bowen takes us to commercial... We're the car doctor. We're going to commercial, right? I'll never forget that. That was the grandfather looks at me and he goes, well, I think he's getting the hang of it. Yeah, I think so. You know, it's and that's when I knew my gig was in trouble. And um, as a matter of fact, the good news is Bowen signed the contract. So um, nice working with you, Ron. He'll be out the first of the year. Yeah, I tell you, he was it was it was just a good time. Um, the back story, the back back story there is his grandfather listens to us down Louisiana way. We're on a, a couple of radio stations down in New Orleans. And uh, they listened to us down there, and they came north to Virginia Beach to spend some time with Bowen because Bowen's dad is uh, serving on an aircraft carrier. Thank you for your service, Bowen's dad. And uh, he was shipping out Tuesday, so the grandparents wanted to give uh, Bowen's uh, family, his mom and dad, some time to spend time together before you know the dad shipped out. And he wanted to sh- he wanted to show Bowen cars. And you know what a great thing, right? We don't we don't do that enough. We're not we're not teaching the next generation. Uh, about cars it's just it's it's becoming all push buttons now and um it's it's it's, it's got to be done we've got to show them and teach them about cars anyway this is the car doctor we do fix cars that's what this radio show is partly about it's also talking about cars as we like to do and there's a couple of things i want to talk about this hour jimmy johnson's retiring from racing the uh, first saudi woman driver is going to race a car in the kingdom we're going to talk about that this hour but right now let's go over to bob in yonkers new york 07 caddy sts and some questions. Bob, welcome to the car doctor, sir. How can I help? How you doing, Ron? I'm Love doing good. Show. Thank you. Learned a lot over the years just listening to you and your podcast. Thank you, sir. Anyway, um, I got a 2007 Cadillac STS, uh, which is in need of lower control arm bushings. Um, so I'm going to basically replace the whole lower control arms. Right. I've been working on cars for many years, you know, and many of these repairs I do in my driveway. Uh, something new, I check the internet, watch YouTube videos, see what the procedure entails, and if it's within my means, you know, I'll do it. 
So now with the, the weather changing um, and seeing that there's some specific torque requirements of these bolts on the control arms, the, the ball joint, I'm contemplating bringing it to my local mechanic who I've been using for many years. The problem is he's a mechanic that never relies on a torque wrench and his impact tool is always the go-to tool of choice. Right. You know, I don't mind him disassembling with the impact tools, but, you know, the reassembly, if he can get, you know, reach the bolt with the impact tool, he just uses the impact tool and goes to town on it. So I, my question is, just how important is the, the bolt specs on a lower control arm replacement? You know, when I brought it up to the mechanic, basically he's just saying, you know, I've been doing this for years, you know, don't worry about it, but I'm somebody that's very careful about, you know, the procedures on my vehicle. And I, um, I, 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 no kidding, Bob, I really commend you for that. You know, how important is it? Tape your mouth shut and hold your nose. How important is it to breathe? Uh, you know, it's it's procedural. Uh, you know, one of the things I say to shop owners and, and, and mechanics everywhere when we start talking about, you know, well, I still use my air gun and I still do it this way and I still do it that way. Yeah, how's that working out for you? You know, someone once asked me, do I run my business different today than I did 20 years ago? I tell them point blank, I run my business different today than I did a year ago. Every six months, the business reinvents itself. It metamorphoses into something else whether it's procedurally or whether it's where we're sourcing parts or how we're sourcing parts or what information systems we're using predominantly or how we're using them, just something changes. You have to evolve. This, this industry is about evolvement and evolution and continuing right. to update and change. What you're talking about is General Motors is, is in, in, in their suspension components Probably beginning around the late 90s, early 2000s, everything went to torque to yield bolts, TTYL. Uh, TT, torque to yield, yeah, TTY, I think there's always an L there, torque to yield length or something, bolts. But the issue is just tightening them again runs the risk of the bolt not having A, proper torque, B, loosening up, or C, snapping, failing, um, actually creating a, a, an issue. So every time we go to work on any front suspension we're always torquing everything and you know it's it's always new bolts where required and you know do we do it every time we try to do it every time we try to have good consciousness right sometimes it's i'm not going to stand up here and lie and say yeah we're perfect sometimes general motors can't get us the bolts uh you know sometimes we can't get the parts because it's backordered or it doesn't exist or it's obsolete but we're, we're, we're going to be very careful to torque those things to spec now some of the specs kind of make me wince a little bit. It's, you know, it's 60 foot-pounds in, in an 80-degree turn, and you're like, really? Um, that's a heck of a lot of clamp load, but that's what they want. That's what the engineers want. Are the, are the control arms aluminum or steel? Um, I think they're aluminum. Okay, and that's, and that's part of the reason why, all right? And, and, and wait till he finds out. Wait till, wait till you try one of these. You're trying to tighten... Um, a control arm and knuckle arrangement where the knuckle's aluminum and the control arm is aluminum. And you put the ball joint on it or you put the nut on it and you use an air gun and you it's so tight you actually split and break the knuckle. And I see guys doing that. All right, right. right. Uh, you How know, does the consumer protect themselves? I mean, a lot of these shops, you know, they, this guy happens to let me, you know, I could watch the repair and I know, you know, he always goes to the impact tool because he's done some of my front hubs and he just goes to town on the hub. Yeah. But, um, there's shots that don't want you in the shop. And how do, you, how do you know that it's being done right? You don't. Other than I bring it up to you, your shop. You don't. You don't. You, you, you just, you, you've got to trust that, 
you know, they're they're using proper procedure. And yeah. while while mechanics need to expect more of consumers, consumers need to expect more of mechanics. I think it's going to become a two-way street. I really question where the next five years is going to take us and how we're going to get there. And and part of the problem is going to be it's going to be a slow evolution. It's going to be a slow change because, you know, North Jersey. North Jersey, I think the fleet of cars is newer than perhaps um, certain parts of, oh, I don't want to pigeonhole anybody, but I'm going to say, I'll, I'll say Virginia just because I was there last week. You know, are there are there older cars in Virginia? Yeah, I think there are. I think from what I was seeing, what I observed out on the street, and, and I think the technology evolution is a little slower in that part of the country based on what I'm seeing. There isn't a new BMW dealer every 10 miles or so, as it seems in North Jersey in the New York metro market. It's different. All right, not bad. It's just different. So the need for a torque to yield front suspension repair is is going to take a little longer to get there on a regular, steady basis. Uh, I think that the consumer has to look at everything that the mechanic's doing, but I also think the mechanic has to expect the consumer to let go of of, of how it's being done. They've got to trust. You know, let them. I'll give you an example, um, and then I'm going to run. We we had a new customer come in in the last two months. She's driving a Chevy Suburban. And I can see that, A, she has different expectations than what I expect, and B, she doesn't really let you evolve those into what I consider safe repair. And I'm, on the, I'm, on the, I'm right on the cusp of cutting her loose, frankly, because it's just, it's just becoming too much work. But part of the problem is you can just tell the shop she's been going to, it's a non-technical term, or schlocky. You know what schlocky is, Bob? Right, 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 right. You know, you can see that, like the oil drain plug. The oil drain plug had a gasket on it. The gasket was actually deformed and crushed onto the drain plug so bad that I wanted to replace it. I had to use a pair of dikes to cut it off and split it, holding it in a vise with a hammer and a chisel. It was just crazy. Right. Just put the yeah. put the dollar thirty seven gasket on the drain plug. How hard is this? All right. Uh, when they when they dropped the filter. When they lowered the filter off the car, instead of using a, a green funnel and making a you know nice, neat oil change, there's oil everywhere underneath the four-wheel drive pan. But that's okay to her. She, you know, she was telling me about that she had some oil leaks going on, but she knew it was from the oil change and that I shouldn't really pay attention to it. But uh, my point becomes that also there, were, there was oil coming down the back of the motor. There was oil in areas that indicated to me rear main seal. So... You know, she had her own set of expectations, trying to save money, and the shops had their own set of expectations, rushing through the job, and they were kind of a perfect fit. But I don't, I don't know that the future holds for that because they're going to run into torque to yield bolts and diagnostics at such a high level that the future in technology is going to define who can fix them and where we fix them and how we fix them. And you that's know, why I, I try to do all my repairs because I know. When I do it, it's done right. Well, I, you know, you know I, if it's I, something that I can't do, then I got to, you know, rely on another shop. But I, I um, keep, I, I keep telling my wife. She says, "When are you going to retire?" And I keep saying, "When I can find somebody to fix cars," um, you know, because I just, I just, I just don't know. I just, you know, I know there's guys out there, and I, I know you can find them, uh, but um, it just takes a bit of work to do. It's hard. You know, you go, to, you go to these local auto parts stores in my area. 
you know, when you pull into the parking lot and there's there's guys just doing repairs right in the lot. Yeah. Not even licensed and, and I know. And the other repair shops they tolerate it. You yeah. know, what and, kind of job are they getting? You yeah, know? and that just it I, I've seen that. I know that part of Yonkers and the Bronx and uh Yeah, it's uh, mind boggling. It's mind boggling you know? and you wonder you wonder for how long, and and but they're also older cars. You know, those are older cars, and that's what allows that, and that's what you know. Again, technology hasn't caught up to it. Give it five years; that's going to have to go away because the technology is going to change, and um, it's going to force those guys that uh, you know. Technology is going to force everybody to update or evaporate, as we used to say and like to say. Bob, I appreciate the call and uh, good luck in the hunt. Keep us uh, keep us informed, and uh, thanks for being part of the Car Doctor family. I'm Ron Anning, the Car Doctor. We are back right after this. That's right. If you call and we're not live, you can leave a message and we'll call you back to get you on the air with Ron. 855-560-9900. Speaking of Ron, here he is. Let's get on over and talk to Trevor in Maine. Trevor, welcome to the car doctor, sir. How can I help? Hi. Yeah, I just bought this um, 2016 Duramax GMC. Okay. Uh, 2500. Um, I just picked it up from the dealer not too long ago and brought it home. The next day it would start. And, um, anyways, I brought it back to the dealer. They charged it for like four hours, brought it back home. The next morning it would start, brought it back. They put two new batteries in it. Good to go. Took it home. Threw it a check engine light the next day. So brought it back to the dealer. I come to find out it was a check engine light for deaf heater, reluctant deaf heater. Right, for the, for, the, for the deaf fluid. Yeah. Okay. So they did replace the deaf, uh, cleared the code, and check engine lines no longer, but they put a deaf heater thing in there. Right. Um, I'm just kind of leery now, because they had the truck for a week while they were working on it. I don't know if it was the part was back order or what. They never told me, but they gave me the truck back anyway. And now I'm just I'm kind of leery about the truck. I still got 30 days of... <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So let me comment about the parts thing first. Um, we did a uh, we had to rebuild we had to overhaul a rear axle on a twenty twelve Chevy Tahoe this week, and it took three days to get bearings out of General Motors. And when the customer asked me why, I said, "Well, they're they're on back order. You know, GM's coming off strike, so GM is still hasn't really caught up. It's going to be another thirty to forty days, they say." before GM catches up to backfilling all the back orders and things that were, went missing as a result of the strike. So th that could be part of the reason. So just as, as a reasonable answer. Now, okay. how many miles are on this? 69,400. Okay. So did you happen to buy an extended service plan? I did. No. Okay. Um, can I, you? I can, yeah. But I'm under the impression that GM has their 100,000 mile warranty. They do, they, they do, but you know what? The engine's not going to be the piece that fails, all right? And the trans won't fail in 100,000. Generally not, all right? Usually what goes bad with these are glow plugs, glow plug controllers, once in a while a bad injector. Um, you know, so you're really buying a service policy for all the exterior peripheral stuff. Now, the first question I've got, you know, because you're asking me, hey, is the truck worth keeping? Why'd you buy a diesel? I don't know. I, I just wanted one. Okay. <laughs> Not that I really need. I just wanted one and right. probably down the road. You, you know, if if you're if you're towing, if you're hauling, if you're plowing snow, I think a diesel's the perfect fit. 
you know, yeah. but, but, but otherwise it's like trying to buy a Volkswagen and put a family of five in it. It's just a bad fit. It just doesn't work. <laughs> you know, it's, it's things get tight, things get, and, and, and unfortunately diesels as they evolve get expensive to repair and maintain. Now, mm-hmm. it, it could be that this vehicle now it's three going on four years old. Whoever had it before you, you know, they, 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 they traded it in because they knew it was getting right to that stage where stuff starts to break. Just being honest, right? I mean, listen, if we had this talk beforehand, this would have been the conversation. This would have been, yeah. you know, the come-to-Jesus conversation. And, you know, if you really need a diesel, that's a heck of a truck. But understand, you know, it takes very specific maintenance instructions and procedures. It takes very specific quality of repair parts. It's, it's not something you can shortchange or cheat. All right, and you really need a okay. guy, you really need a guy that speaks diesel to work on it and service it. Now, you know if you can do that, great. I'm all for it. All right, but just yeah. just understand that. Now, come back to the first part of your question. They had it for a week, and you know what is this a sign of? So far, what you're telling me are pretty much the standard things that break on those trucks. They did have def tank heater issues. They do have glow plug issues. You'll probably start to pop glow plugs in it one or two at a time. You know, things like that are going to come up. The good news is that if you do kind of work the bugs out of it between now and the next hundred thousand and the first hundred thousand miles, you're going to find that that vehicle probably runs three, four hundred thousand miles. Um, with some basic maintenance and traditional maintenance that a diesel would take and, you know, give you good service. But a a diesel is a very unforgiving animal in that they really require somebody that speaks the language, and Billy Bob's garage isn't going to be able to fix it. So it's either either somebody specific at the dealer or it's somebody, and I apologize if there's a Billy Bob's garage out there that's competent that's listening to the show, but just, you know what, I call them like I see them, brother. Um, Right. You know, or it's, 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 it's a great vehicle to have a great relationship with a mechanic one-on-one. And somebody that you trust, that when he tells you, hey, you, you, you know what, Trevor, it's going to need this in the next six months, you believe him. All right. And, um, you know, just as important with gas, it's even a little bit more important with diesel so that you get good maintenance and good service and good repair. But if you don't need it, get rid of it and get a gas vehicle. Um, you don't need the experience and the thrill of it just for the heck of it. I'm Ron Anini in the car, Doctor. We'll be back right after this. Five 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 six zero nine nine zero zero is the phone number. Running in the car doctor at your service. If you want to get on, give us a call. Eight five 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 six zero nine nine zero zero. I was reading the latest issue of Haggerty, and um, you know when you have classic car, classic car insurance, you can get a copy of this. And they talk about the Fords that beat Ferrari. Um, they're they're referencing um, Ford versus Ferrari, the movie that's out that you gotta go see. It's just it's just so cool. And um, they talk about these cars. And, and, and what they are, and they've, they, you know, they sell now publicly. You can go buy a Ford GT40 at your local Ford dealer or, or, or where have you. They're only a half a million dollars. So if you got 500000 I wonder what the lease payment is on a GT40, right? We can go out and lease one. I, um, uh, but it's just, it's just how this movie has caught everybody's attention 
and they've still got um, GT40 chassis number P1046, which is the car that Bruce McLaren and Chris Amon drove to the Le Mans victory in 66, um, which is in the movie, by the way. I won't tell you how it ends, but um, uh, that's the car they drove uh, when they beat Ferrari uh, in the uh, in the Le Mans. Um, as a matter of fact, it's interesting to note, I should point this out, in the race, they call it Le Mans. But in reality, it's Le Mans. I believe they left the S off in the movie because it was something about trademark infringement and they didn't have clearance to use Le Mans. Um, just, if somebody goes to the movies, take note, and let me know if that's true. I had heard that the other day. I was talking to somebody about it, but um, just, just crazy stuff. I want to talk about P0420. P0420 is a catalytic converter fault code that everybody seems to get, and it's, it's probably one of the more common fault codes. Now, immediately, everybody tends to think P0420 cat efficiency, and what's the first thing they want to put on the car? A catalytic converter. But it's not always the case. There are other things that can affect a P0, affect and create a P0420. Let's understand what a catalytic converter's job is first, all right? A catalytic converter is an emission component, and its job is to help reduce vehicle tailpipe emissions, all right? Catalytic converter. It requires heat, catalytic, and it converts. It changes, so it's a catalytic converter. It, it, it requires heat to operate at specific levels to reduce tailpipe emissions. When cat efficiency is measured, and they do this by, in, in simplest terms, there's an oxygen sensor in front of the catalytic converter that measures oxygen content of the exhaust, and there's, oxygen, there's an O2 sensor on the outlet side of the converter that measures oxygen content. They're looking for a changing up and down voltage signal going in, which means that the fuel mixture is in continuous loop or closed loop operation. It's in feedback control. And they're looking for certain moments of higher voltage out of the downstream or after CAT O2, showing that the catalytic converter is storing oxygen to help reduce emissions when needed. All right. I often think of think of a, a catalytic converter as a, a, a fat guy sitting at a sandwich at a, at a counter at a, at, a, at a sub shop. Right. He's sitting there chomping away and eating and eating and eating and eating and eating. And he's just storing oxygen and storing oxygen and storing oxygen. And then all of a sudden he burps and he releases oxygen. Okay? The moment where he burps is the moment where the O2 voltage on the downstream O2 drops low. All right? I got this from, I was watching Mikey eat lunch today before the show. And Mikey had pastrami today. It looked really good. And that's the moment when it's measured. The computer knows when that's going to happen, and it measures it. It looks at how long it stores oxygen versus how long it doesn't store oxygen. And at the moment when it measures that, it decides, hey, is this being efficient like it's supposed to be? The number is that a catalytic converter has to maintain a 70%, and I think now it's up more towards 80%, efficiency record of volume of oxygen coming in versus volume of oxygen going out, how it's stored. P0420 happens, okay? P0420 happens because the, the downstream O2 is reporting a lower voltage than it's expected, so the computer thinks, hey, it's not storing oxygen. The system's running too lean. A couple of things can affect and cause that other than a catalytic converter. Things to look at. And even if you can't get the technical or the mechanical side of what I'm saying, just think about 
these things to look at. This is what you, this is your takeaway. This is what you need to remember. Number one, engine temperature. Engine temperature is so critical to catalytic converter operation. A week ago, I had a 2008, I believe it was, Toyota Camry, a 7 or an 8, that had a P0420 CAT efficiency fault. And the CAT itself had failed because the exhaust flange just before the downstream O2 had rotted away and extra oxygen, which is another way that catalytic converter efficiency fault codes get generated, um, uh, leaking exhaust. So the cat had to be replaced due to mechanical failure, due to structural failure. It was an exhaust leak. Put a cat on it and reused the O2s. There was no reason not to change them or to change them. They, they, they came out fine. And I drove the car. And it wouldn't set the catalytic converter monitor. I couldn't get it to run. And when I thought about it, I said, that's so odd because I know the cat wasn't working properly as a result of the exhaust leak that couldn't be repaired. I said, what else can do this? Let's look at temperature. Now, this particular car, the coolant thermostat opens at approximately 182 degrees, if I remember right. And it's, it's, it's full bore warmed up around 196. This vehicle was struggling and barely maintaining 176 degrees and fully warmed up over time. It might just make 182 thermostat's bad, or, or something's causing the engine not to come up to temperature. Went through some tests, gee, thermostat's bad, put a thermostat in it, and now the cat monitor ran. As soon as the temperature got up to 188 degrees, I could watch, uh, using mode 6, I could watch how the, 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 the system reacted, and within three minutes of hitting that temperature, I saw the cat monitor run. So a thermostat can cause it. Exhaust leaks can cause it. Surely problems with the O2 sensor, but O2 sensor failures generally are measured and tested other ways in OBD2. They will look at performance. They will look at um, time to closed loop. They will look at response ratio, how many times it crosses the midpoint. So there are other factors to dwell on, and my experience has been O2s are going to be measured as a failure in other ways, not necessarily a P0420. The point of this is, P0420 or P0430 CAT efficiency fault, you know what? Think a little outside the box. Yeah, it's it's probably a CAT, but it can also be other factors contributing to it. Oil consumption is another one to just mention before we go to before we take the pause because you've got to realize that oil consumption means the engine's burning oil. It's coating the catalytic converter and the O2 sensors with oil. It's insulating them from their reaction time. It's slowing things down. And that makes the argument for doing fuel system cleaning ever so important because good fuel system cleaners will help clean up um, on an engine that's got oil consumption issues and won't necessarily make it like new, but it can help lengthen the life of a vehicle that's marginal and perhaps on its way out, just trying to buy some more time. Point of contention, something to think about. 855-560-9900. Ron and the Car Doctor, coming back right after this. You know where I really messed up this year? Um, I should have come out with the Car Doctor T-shirts before Christmas, and uh, we could have gone. Uh, we could have like given them away for Christmas presents. I have to make a note to self. We'll have to get the tar- Car Doctor T-shirts ready for spring. Just thinking out loud, folks. I was thinking, you know, what have I, 
you know, I drive along and I'm thinking, what do I need to do next? And it would be kind of neat. We could get car doctor T-shirts for those loved ones. No, I don't have any yet. So no letters or fan mail, please. Um, speaking of fan mail, here's an email. This comes to us from Mark. Ron, great podcast. I have less heat on the driver's side. It is cooler than the passenger side. I've replaced the heater core last year as a normal maintenance. Changed all the hoses, cap, and thermostat. No difference. I did let it run. Without the cap to burp out the air for a couple of hours and had great heat. Tested it with an IR heat gun. I'm out of ideas. Thanks for your input. Does anybody want to answer this question? What's the one thing that's missing from this email? What kind of car is it? He doesn't say, there's nothing here that says, and I'm looking at this seven times. Um, I had Mikey look at it, and he's smarter than me because he runs the board with all those buttons on it. And he didn't see it either. So, uh, Mark, I'll tell you what. You tell me what kind of car it is, I'll fix the problem for you. This comes to us from Andrea. Andrea writes in, Ron, my Honda Accord twice has shown low oil pressure indicator. I immediately went to a gas station and had oil put in. Well, but, okay, wait. My question is, is why does the maintenance, why the maintenance minder, why the, English, why the maintenance minder light did not come on. When I check the trip A, it says 40% oil life left, I think is what she's trying to tell me. Um, Andrea, first of all, kiddo, um, the low oil pressure indicator doesn't necessarily mean it's out of oil. If it's out of oil, if it's out of oil, that's right. But, you know, checking the oil, maybe you're saying you checked the oil or someone checked the oil at the gas station um, and they had oil put in. The question is, how much oil? The maintenance light doesn't necessarily tell you that the vehicle is low on oil. It's trying to make a calculated approximation of when the vehicle is coming due for its next oil change based on operating procedures, how far you're going, at what temperatures, how long between warm-up, short-trip driving, long-trip driving, that thing. It's a calculated algorithm based on that. The low oil pressure indicator, if the low oil pressure indicator light came on, or the gauge red low, I'm, I'm assuming it's a light, then, you know, you were probably down on a Honda, you were probably down better than three quarts of oil. So the real question is, is it leaking it? A three-quart oil leak since last oil change, if we want to assume a normal time frame of five months, 5,000 miles, you know, maybe you're halfway through the life cycle since it says 40% on the, on the trip minder for oil. Um, by now, the oil should be hitting the back bumper. So, you know, run your hand along the back edge of the rear bumper, and if it comes up wet with oil, you know how big the leak is. But if there is no leak, that car is burning oil. And uh, as I said in my previous portion, you're going to see that um, at some point you're going to reduce catalytic converter life and O2 sensor efficiency because they're going to become coated with oil because it's burning it out the engine. Um, you may want to have a mechanic check it out and be aware of it and uh, just stay on top of oil consumption, but that's not going to solve the problem. It's just going to continue to get worse and evolve. James writes in, hey, Ron, I've got a 2001 Chevy Malibu 3.1 liter engine code J. See, there's a way to write an email. It's right in the beginning sentence, right? I've got a 2001 Malibu. The engine has a surge. It is very apparent going up hills. I fixed all the vacuum leaks, replaced the plugs and wires, no codes. Do you have any ideas? Thanks, James. Um, yes. Let's get on over to Frederick. No, I'm only kidding. I'll answer James's. Um, uh, first of all, all right, codes aren't the defining moment, all right? Uh, you know, don't think that, well, if it has no codes, there's no fault. Sometimes we count on codes to give us a direction, but there are other things you can do here. For example, if you've got a scan tool that reads data stream, and you feel that this is an engine surge and not transmission related, let's look at fuel trim. 
Where's Fuel Trim? Fuel Trim is probably, you know, I thank God for Fuel Trim every day. I can tell so much on how that engine is running in terms of uh, fuel mixture balance and, you know, how happy or unhappy it is based on that. So let's look at Fuel Trim. Let's try driving this. This probably has D with a circle and then regular drive and then uh, 2-1 on the shift indicator. Let's try running it in D. Or at the moment when the surge occurs, if we're in overdrive, Tap the brake pedal. That'll pop it out of overdrive. It'll change trans position or trans gear position or lockup on the converter, and it will possibly eliminate it. Maybe the trans itself is misbehaving, and that's what's causing a problem. Last, when you scanned it for codes, did you scan for codes in OBD2 only, or did you do year, make, model? Year, make, model specific. Sometimes you'll see different fault codes there. OBD2 is a great place to start, but when you're looking for a hardcore problem, looking at everything is always a great idea. I'm Ron Anany in The Car Doctor, 855-560-9900. We're back right after this. Ron and Andy, The Car Doctor, here to kind of wind things down this hour. Jimmy Johnson's retiring, right? 18 years of racing in NASCAR. Um, Jimmy Johnson has uh, announced that uh, um, he's coming towards the end, and uh, after next season, after 2020, he uh, he's supposedly going to hang it up. So, you know, um, we, we say thank you for the uh, for the excitement, and uh, it's been great to watch a legend in the making. And uh, you know, Jimmy Johnson, one more season, and then on the other side, first Saudi woman driver to race a car in the kingdom um, in Saudi Arabia. Uh, I'm going to try and say this name correctly. Rima Jufali is set to blaze a trail in a male-dominated motorsport. The article talks about as the first Saudi woman to race in the kingdom, which is huge over there because women barely had the right to drive, barely had the right to, you know, do much of anything over there except be women in a sense. And uh, um, it's nice to see, you know, some trailblazers. Maybe we'll have Saudi women drivers over here in NASCAR soon to kind of edge out uh, Jimmy Johnson and NASCAR and, uh, you know, maybe the changing of the guard kind of thing. I'm serious. You know what? It's it's um, it's um it's just an evolution, right? Automobiles just continue to evolve and and change society in ways that you don't even realize it and uh, uh, until it's until it's happened and um you know it's it's there's something you know i keep coming back to the coastal virginia auto show last week and uh, once again i want to take a second and just say thank you to everyone at am 790 wnis the hospitality the show um, you know, in the midst of all the chaos that was going on, and there was a little bit of chaos going on trying to do a radio broadcast in the midst of a of an auto show like that. We still got the job done, and it was it was a team effort, and uh, um, I'm I'm grateful to have had everybody there supporting us. Um, you could see the, the 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 care and the concern of everybody um, to enjoy the show, but that the show was a success. And, you know, it really was Americana. I've been to sporting events, and I'm not trying to, you know, downplay. You know, you go to a football game, and there are some unruly fans. Let's be honest. You go to a baseball game, there's some unruly fans. You know, at a car show, what I witnessed at, at the Coastal Virginia Auto Show, everybody was there. There was, there was no preconceived attitudes. Everybody was glad to answer questions. Everybody was proud of their accomplishment. Uh, the gentleman with the split pea green Monte Carlo, uh, you know, he was he was an older fellow, but you could see that was that was his pride and joy. The um, the, the people that were watching the Duesenberg, they knew what they had. They knew it was a piece of cultural history, uh, much beyond the value. Okay, the the people in the armed forces that were there um, representing our armed forces, thank you for your service. Um, everyone, everyone 
just helped make it a great show, and we were glad to be part of that and uh, very grateful. I'm Ron Anini and the Car Doctor reminding you once again, good mechanics aren't expensive. They're priceless. See ya.